Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts, Shelley and Bella. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 68 of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast. Hi everybody. Guess what? My husband tried to just get me to do the intro bit and him do my bit, but I'm funnier than him so I said no. <laughs> what? You mean there's no way you can be funny with the hello it's episode 68 so... No. You want to come in with some kind of little funny afterwards? No, but I can't start because if I start then you get the last word. See? That's true. Never had the last word yet, have I? No. No. And you never will. No. Oh, I did. <laughs> this is not the end. Okay. So anyway, what are we going to talk about today? No, actually, wait, wait. We've already had a discussion, kind of, sort of, about this subject, but now we've branched off just a bit. Yeah, well, we've spoken to Dr. Penny Satori before about this type of subject, and now we've got another guest on to tell us about near-death experiences, but also, more importantly, about a website that they've got that looks into and collects information about people's near-death experiences from all over the world. So we recorded this interview just before Christmas, so we hope you're going to enjoy it. We're sure you are. Get a bit of pen and paper ready or something to jot down information about this website because we know that you're going to want to go along and have a look at the information that's on there maybe share some of your experiences as well so on with the show jody long is an attorney licensed in washington new mexico louisiana and the navajo nation she's a webmaster for the near-death experience research foundation nderf for the past 13 years and provides support and a forum for NDEers and those who want to know about the afterlife she has several decades of experience researching paranormal and related phenomena Jodie has helped with Evidence of the Afterlife, the New York Times best-selling NDE book. She's written God's Fingerprints, Impressions of Near-Death Experiences. From Soul to Soulmate, Bridges from Near-Death Experience Wisdom, which will be the first book out of its genre published in mainland China. And her newest book, Living Like an Immortal. Please welcome to the show, Jodie Long. Hi, Jodie. Hi, how are you? Yeah, we're good. Thank you very much. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. Thank you. Good to hear it. So can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about you and your background? Well, I started out as an attorney and then Jeff and I got together. Jeff Long, he's the one who wrote the evidence of the afterlife and evidence of God. And we were together for probably about two years. And then I took over the website from there. Now what you see is, is basically close to 20 years worth of work. And we reach people from all over the world. Well, the website you're talking about is nderf.org. That's correct. Do you call it nderf or do you call it nderf or anything like that? How do you refer to it if you're telling someone about it? We usually call it nderf. 
Okay. Uh, it just it's easier to say than all those letters. Yes, yeah, I find that one yeah. <laughs> when I was reading through this stuff. So the reason why we got in touch with you is because a listener of ours actually got in touch with us and said that he sadly lost several members of his close family. And I think that he was getting comfort from your website and reading the accounts that you've got on there. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your website? Okay. It was founded in 1999 by Jeffrey Long. And he brought it up back in the time of the days of DOS, you know, really, really way, way, way back then. It's telling our age when you start saying stuff about DOS. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Anyways, uh, he started asking questions because he decided he wanted to know about the near-death experience directly from the people instead of reading it in a homogenized book. And what we got is he started getting all these responses to the questions. And from there, he's been able to do research on the near-death experience. And we've been able to reach out and have like cross-cultural near-death experiences. And we've been able to see that it is definitely a worldwide phenomena based upon what people tell us. And so now what we've got is we've got this huge, huge website with so many experiences on there. Anybody can come and they can read it. It's freely available. We do not ask for contributions or or anything on that website. And the reason being is it actually gives a lot more credibility to the research itself because we really don't have anything to gain from it. One of the things that I noticed when I was looking at the website was that, you know, I was reading several of the accounts and that, and they aren't all the same, which I think kind of lends more credibility to it because you've not edited out things that are different to what mainstream might believe or think or feel about them. Yeah, that's true. I found one where the person actually was afraid or you know said that it wasn't pleasant and although I'm sorry it wasn't pleasant for him it was good to see just the unbiased yeah that was going to be one of my questions to you actually because we spoke to Dr Penny Satori who is obviously did her doctorate I don't know whether you're aware of Dr Penny Satori Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've met Penny. She's a really nice lady. Ah, excellent. Yeah. Well, she is only down the road from us, actually. She lives in Wales as well. And so we could probably drive to her house in about an hour. So it was really lovely to speak to her because she, as you know, did her doctorate in the study of near-death experiences. And she actually came out saying that there are some people who have these negative, if, if you want to call it that, experiences but they always come back afterwards. It's taught them something about maybe the way they're living their life or the way they're treating other people. So what sort of percentage have you found of cases are positive versus negative? Well, first of all, you've got to look at how many people die, have an experience, and then come back to tell about it. And depending on the definition of the near-death experience, Many people are the scientists. There's not a universally accepted definition. But I can tell you from our research that maybe about between 5 and 15% of those people who, who die and, and uh, come back to tell about it, maybe about 5 to 15% have a near-death experience. 
And then out of that portion, then I would say that, that we have maybe uh, between two and 5% that might be negative. And again, you've got to look at the definitions because just because somebody calls it negative doesn't necessarily mean that it's a hellish NDE. For instance, if somebody, uh, we have an experience where a fellow died and he was in the ambulance and he started to float above the ambulance and he started seeing angels and he says, oh my God, I'm dead, I'm dead. And so he starts swatting at them and he considered that to be very frightening because he didn't want to die. That would scare me, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting, swatting at angels. Did he describe these angels? I don't think so, but those were some of the earlier ones, so I would have to take a look at that particular experience again and and see. Some people explain them as angels. Some people explain them as light, and then they call them angels. Some people say, well, they were angels, but they were really guardians, and they did, or maybe they didn't have wings. We have probably 8,000 People have submitted their experiences to the website, and about half of those are near-death experiences or probable NDEs. Out of all those, it's kind of hard to remember each individual one. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We're putting a bit of pressure on you, actually, because (laughs) on on your website, when I looked on there, it said, and this may not be fully up to date, but it said that you have over 4,600 accounts in over something like 20-odd languages. So, I mean, you even translate NDE accounts for people. Is that correct? Oh, that's very correct. I work with so many people from all over the world, and it's just remarkable to see how many people treasure these experiences. And they are so willing to volunteer their time and help us with that. It's it's just truly an amazing phenomenon that, that people are willing to do this for us. Right now we have 400, I mean 4,737 experiences that are posted onto the website. Wow. One of them that I saw briefly today was an account where someone said that this person that they saw, they knew them to be Jesus, but that this person understood that whoever this was would show itself to people in whatever... Uh, it was basically whatever they wanted this person or believed it to be. So that was interesting. So what? If they believed it, in Buddha, for instance, then, then it would become Buddha. And Exactly. Is that something you've heard before, Jody? I have heard it before, but it's not really that common because basically when people go over there, a lot of times they don't actually name the what they're seeing. Like yeah. they may see a ball of light. And some people will come back and say, yes, that was God. No, that was Jesus. They don't actually name it until they get back and they have a chance to process it. And yeah, I have seen it and I I wouldn't doubt it a bit. But for whatever reason, I think that these are spiritual experiences. And because of that, I've done so much reading about these that I think that what happens is that people who have these experiences, for whatever reason, it's central to their spiritual growth. And when they have these experiences, for instance, the, the negative NDEs, I'd say that, that what you mentioned that Penny had talked about, I think that these people have these negative NDEs because it, it has a tendency to make them stop 
and look at their life and reevaluate it and then make something positive out of it where otherwise they would never have had that experience to be able to change and to go the right way. I'm really going to throw this at you now. So do you (laughs) think then that possibly if there is some superior being, if you like, that this superior being is almost invoking the death to be able to pass a message on? That's interesting. I'm not so sure that it's the actual superior being. And the reason that I say that is when you look at the different life reviews, a lot of times you'll notice that the only person that judges the experiencer is the experiencer. And you might see somebody there for moral support, but it's usually the experiencer that looks at their their deeds and says, you know, I could have done better. And I think because of that, I, I think that when we incarnate into our bodies, that we allow ourselves the possibility of having a near-death experience because we're the only ones know what as to whether it would interfere with what we have planned for our lives. And I think that it's more of a, a personal choice than it is a superior being saying, hey, I want you to change. I, I actually think that it's it's more related to the soul itself changing. But, you know, that's me. Other people have a tendency to say, no, there is a superior being and, and that being is directing me. So I, I think it depends on how a person looks at that. You know, they may be into self-determination or they may be into fate. It, it's just kind of like one of those personal opinions, I think. And I would think that, again, that goes with sort of cultural backgrounds as well, doesn't it? So that the Indian faiths, for instance, that believe more in fate would err more on that sort of side, I guess. Do you find that you get more cases from a particular country? Is is there one country or, or religious faith or whatever that tends to lean more and, and then encounter more of these experiences? I can tell you what we've received. And for the most part, we have English and we have from the United States is our biggest place. And then we have from from Great Britain and we have from Australia. Those are are the biggest English speaking countries that we have coming to the website. But we also have other languages that are coming. And I think that you're going to find this really interesting because When you deal with things of a spiritual nature, what you see is that there's certain things that happen in the earth or on the earth, you know, places where there's a lot of strife. Like in Iran, you'll see a lot in China, you'll see a lot in in the Middle East. And the people who come to the website our, our non-English speaking ones, we have the German, we have the French. Uh, those are, are very big. But then we start getting countries where people are looking for something else. One of them is China. And China, as you know, they do not have any kind of a, a, a formalized Christian religion. I mean, that, that was pretty much banned during the communist takeover. Mm. But you're seeing some of it. Uh, pop up here and there. So to have China be one of our large ones, to have India be one of our large ones, and Russia, I mean, we're talking about almost a worldwide 
type of renaissance where people are looking for that spiritual connection because everything is so bad where they're at. And in the top 10, we also have Iran, which is really interesting. I have people who are so uh, worried about finding their next meal, but you know, they want to translate. If they can find an internet, they're going to do it. It makes them feel better. And everyone's looking for that answer, aren't they? Everyone's looking to find out what there is on the other side and, and what's in store for us. So on the basis of the accounts that you've read that people have sent in what would you say is is the natural progression where do we go after this i i tend to believe that what happens is that when we first leave our body and we go to the other side i i don't think that that's actually quite quote the heaven that we're being shown i think that's kind of a waypoint but you know other people will swear that that's the end and that they get to unify with God. But I think that it's it's multi-layers, you know, lots of different layers. And the reason that I think that is because a lot of times, if you look at what some of the people are saying, is that a lot of the mystic teachings is that we're going to eventually unify back with God. And in order to do that, we first come down into a three-dimensional reality. And then people say now that we're moving into like a 4D reality. And there are other books and teachings that talk about there being many multiple layers of reality before we finally merge with God. And I would tend to believe that because we really can't say who God is or what God is because he's so far above us. Uh, that's my personal opinion. But, you know, a lot of people personalize God and, and say that is a person. Other people, even in the near-death experiences, will say that, that God is an energy force. And so I, I think a lot of, of this is probably uh, kind of, it, it's just too much to really talk about because there's so many different levels you can talk about it at yeah can you give us some examples of some of the near-death experiences that you've read that stand out in your mind i can one of the most interesting is is probably marie w it's probably one of the most horrendous experiences i've ever heard of but that was in the dying yet on the other side, she had some really miraculous things. She was actually taken to the vat of creation by Metatron. And she describes it just beautifully. And, and that story in itself, it, it sort of talks about the, the nature of the soul and the nature of coming back, uh, back to earth and, and whether you stay on earth or, or keep going. I mean, she, she's had an amazing personal journey trying to uh, work through her near-death experience and work through all the traumas caused by her death. But it's, it's remarkable because it does stand for the proposition that maybe God actually is just energy. It's a force. Another one, which I think is really instructive, is Cougar. And he was one of the earlier ones that we got into the website. And I personally met him. He had a hellish NDE. And I think that when people have these, you're normally going to see people that need to wake up or, or, or they need to change their direction. Otherwise, they're not going to 
get the most spiritual life out of their body that they need to get out of this incarnation. But Cougar was really fascinating. His was actually kind of like a test. It was like he, he was trying to see how he would stack up to evil. And, you know, to me, that's just astounding. And so he actually went over to the other side and he met, I, I believe it was like uh, grandmother and grandfather over on the other side. And the ones that he connected with were negative beings. And they tried to co-opt him and say, hey, come on over and join us. Uh, this, is, this is where the party is. This, is. this is what we have over on this side. We'd love to have you join us. And, and he didn't like being shown the, the, the place of gluttony or the, the place of lust or the place, you know, all the, all the seven sins. I mean, they, they took him to a room and they said, hey, you know, look at how much fun these people are having. Come join us. And, mm-hmm. and Cougar says, no, I, I don't want to. And so when he says, no, I don't want to, then they say, okay, well, if we can't co-opt you, then we're going to take and we're going to force you. And, and so they, they started torturing him. And he, he finally decided that if it was a choice between oblivion and joining them, he'd rather be in oblivion. And you know what? He came back because they couldn't do that to him. And I was just so astounded because his, his experience has a lot of the flavor of like the seven veils of Inanna, which is an ancient Sumerian story about one of the goddesses going down to, to the underworld. And they kind of have like these parallels, which is fascinating in itself. But his whole story is remarkable because if you think about how do we react to evil now, what, what do we experience? And, and evil acts the same way here on earth. It's going to co-opt you. If it can't co-opt you, it'll silence you. If it can't silence you, it will torture you. And, you know, it, it, you just have all these different shades of evil. And, and I thought it was very fascinating that it came all in the story of how do you deal with evil on the other side? Really fascinating. Does he fear now death more since that has happened than, than what he did before? Is he, is he fearful of going back to possibly that same situation? No, actually, that was like a test. And he's, he's looking forward to going to the other side and being able to be with all the positive, loving beings that he knows he belongs over there. That's amazing. And that, that was something that, that Penny sort of iterated as well, was that even if they've had a negative experience, they still they, they almost overcome it. They've given some kind of lesson or or something, and they're, they're that, there's odd cases where obviously they're still worried about you know passing over etc. But the, in the majority of cases that she mentioned, people had had got something from it that was gonna, then going to benefit them, and they weren't as fearful of dying a second time. And, and that's true. That's that's very true. Yeah. Do you have, know of any cases that have corroborative evidence that a person was actually out of their body during an NDE? Yes. As a matter of fact, we just had one. Oh, wow. There was a fellow <laughs> from Colombia. He submitted his experience in Spanish and he was working out and he, he was like a professional athlete or something. And he had a heart attack. And he said that when he was out of his body, he actually saw everybody and what they were doing. And he wanted to thank the person who initially came over who was part of a, um, a, a professional 
you know, like a pre-hospital person who came over and said, let's keep him stable until the paramedics can get here. And so he wanted to uh, thank that fellow afterwards. And he could clearly see him, even though he'd never met him or seen him before. He saw him in the near-death experience. And he says, okay, now that that uh, I'll, I'll give you a description. And, and so his friends and, and he put this onto like a social media and they found the guy based on the, on his description, they found him. And I just find that remarkable, you know, that's just amazing. And so now they're best friends. So on the basis that there can be, as you've just illustrated, corroborative evidence sometimes, is there a plan to submit your accounts to a study or are you already doing that? Well, we sort of already are because Jeff does have a method of studying these experiences and he put his study, he, his findings, he put it into the evidence of the afterlife. And so you'll see a lot of evidential things about the near-death experience there. And you'll also see evidence of God, which is his other book. He writes a lot about things that he has researched and conclusions that he, he's made based upon that research. Were you interested in near-death experiences before you met Jeff, or you know, did you sort of become involved in it after? I became involved after. I'd never heard of it before. I had been involved in a lot of metaphysical stuff, a lot of meditation, out-of-body, a lot of things like that, and uh, Reiki but I'd never run across the near-death experience. And when I met Jeff, he told me about it. And I said, huh, I never heard of that before. But as I got to reading them and helping him with the website, then I understood what he was talking about. And I was like, wow, okay, this is pretty exciting. You know, you have kind of like a spectrum of different experiences and some are more evidential than others, such as, Dreams, even though they may be spiritual, they're not as easy to prove evidential-wise as the near-death experience. Because if somebody, one of the gold standards is if somebody can leave their body and they see something during a time that they're dead, then that is, if you can corroborate what they saw, that is sort of like the gold standard for evidentiality. And I know a lot of scientists, they want to control it more in a, in a scientific setting when people are going through their, for instance, like cardiac arrest or something like that. Yeah, well, one of the things about science, obviously, is that they want to be able to recreate it, reproduce it. And I don't know how you would convince someone to, we're just going to put you back under cardiac arrest in a minute and see if that happens again. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't see many people signing up for that study. No, uh, although I have had people do it. They say, oh, I want really? to have a near-death experience. Tell me who I can go to. I'm like, oh, please, no. Oh, goodness <laughs> That's <me>. very unethical. <laughs> wow. Go around begging people to kill you. I'm like, like, no, that's not exactly the way it works. <laughs> no, no, we don't want to advocate that. So you said that obviously you became exposed to the idea of NDEs through Jeff. So how has your 
outlook, if you like, on life? How have your opinions changed based upon what you know now compared to what it was like when you met him? I think probably there's actually a couple of big changes. I think the first change has to do with the lack of fear of death. A lot of times they will say that NDEers are the ones who don't fear death because they've gone through it. But when you read about the near-death experience, you're pretty much assured where you're going to go and you're pretty much assured that it's going to be a beautiful place. I mean, I have absolutely no problem with the idea of passing over. I, I know that my my self, my consciousness will continue. And that's something that I never actually had, but I'm very certain of it now. And as I get older, that's a big comfort. I want you to know that. Another thing is that I've noticed that especially now with the world being so chaotic and everybody's so divisive. And I feel very strongly about compassion and showing people compassion and showing other people love and how to love others and to spread it around. Because that really is, when you read the near-death experiences, that really is why we're here. And that is to love one another and to learn different aspects of, of loving. And so to me, I feel very strongly that that it's something that needs to be passed on to others. The website itself is actually a labor of love. It, it takes so much time and effort to be able to keep it up, but so many people get so much from it that to me, that is uh, where it's at. Again, when I was looking at your website, I noticed that you had some statistics on there whereby, is it you get a million people viewing the page a month, is it? Uh, we get a half a million. Half a million. Well, I mean, still, yeah. half a million a month. That is absolutely amazing. But it's from all over the world. So, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, it is awesome. And in all different languages. So I can imagine it is a lot of work for you. How did Jeff get into this? Where did this all start for Jeff? Well, it started for him. I believe he was in medical school and he was looking at a medical journal and there happened to be uh, something in there where this lady had had died, had come back and, and had told her story while she was dead. And Jeff read that article and he was like going, wow. If that's actually true, then this could blow everything wide open. He, he said, why aren't more people studying this? This is so important. And so several years later, he went and was at a bar, I guess, with his friends. And there was a lady there who had had a near-death experience. And so he talked to her. And he tells it much better than me, obviously. <laughs> but <laughs> he talked to her. And then that sort of got him going. And in 1999, he brought up the website because he really, really wanted to know about these stories and wanted to hear about it directly from the experiencers themselves. I work with a lot of elderly patients and, you know, there are a lot of them that are given sort of end of life medications to make them more comfortable and you can hear what they're saying a lot of times and sometimes the stuff doesn't make any sense and is kind of all over the place and then other times you've got it where they sound almost lucid and it's like you are listening to a half of a conversation and they're not on any medications at all 
and it really does follow like an actual story. So so you can tell that there's sort of a, a thread through what they're talking about. Jeff, is he a doctor then? Oh, yes. He's definitely. He is a radiation oncologist. Right. And he deals a lot with, with people and their issues and end-of-life issues and cancer and, and all that kind of stuff that you're referring to. I did see something on the website where I read something along the same sort of lines that somebody was asking, or maybe it was just a frequently asked question, you know, are people on medications, are they acting different to people who aren't on medications and experience and near-death experience? And I have found myself that, you know, that it can be, it, it does make sense. A lot of the times the, the conversations though, you, you can tell they're talking to somebody in particular and I just wondered if, can he corroborate that himself? I, I believe he can, but let me, let me tell you what I can, uh, what I've noticed from, from dealing with people concerning what you're talking about. One of the things is the Chinese have a, they call it the light returns. And a person can be totally out and comatose, but right before they go, it's like they, they wake up and then they start talking like they're going to the other side, like you were referring to. And they consider, they call that uh, phenomena the light returns. Another thing, as far as the meds go, the near-death experience is not dependent on whether a person has heavy medication or not because it happens outside of the brain. And because of that, uh, a person can pass over and, and be on the other side. And they, they probably, if they're still connected to their body in any way, they may be able to just talk very lucidly because of that. You know, like for instance, an Alzheimer's patient wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't be able to talk uh, uh, very well. But if they're connected and just as they're passing over, they might have that phenomena, the, the light return. That's what I'm kind of talking about. You you know, the people do become very lucid. You know. I saw something which is, is interesting. Um, I was talking to a gal and she was telling me that she's a, a near-death experiencer. She's a doctor. And she was telling me that she had had a heart attack a few years ago. And what was interesting about that was she described what happened to her during her death experience. And she said, you know, when I was on the other side, it's like my whole consciousness, everything just, just went into these little, little, um, it, it fragmented, it, it, it broke up. And, and so there was just me, that funnel, you know, that the light, she was only the light because everything else fell apart, uh, fell away from her. And I was always wondering if medication or if being sick too long, you know, like for instance, a long illness like cancer or, or another debilitating thing might have a way of, of slowing your, your responses uh, of passing over to the other side. I always wondered that. But when, when Pam told me about her experience, I went, you know, that's interesting to mm. think that you could actually go to the other side and have like this rainbow body effect like the, the Tibetan monks do, where they can actually make their consciousness do something and consciously direct it when you're over on the other side. I don't know. We spoke to a guest last week 
that was dealing with ghosts, hauntings. And it makes you kind of think the same sort of thing, because if there are ghosts, if that's a true phenomena, and ghosts are essentially a spirit, a, th- a thought, and you know, an entity without a body, and they're capable of, in some cases, moving stuff or manipulating stuff, then it follows. I, I think so. Uh, it, it's pretty interesting. But then again, I, I tend to think that a lot of the, and, and I don't know how many people think this or not, but I've come to believe that a lot of the poltergeists and a lot of the ghosts themselves are actually either elemental beings or else they are uh, beings who have not been able to break away from the three-dimensionality of the earth. You have to have a certain amount of light to be able to break away. And I keep wondering if maybe those are other beings that are not evolved enough to break away from earth at this time. So do you think that's where reincarnation fits in? Do you think that maybe if you pass over onto the other side and you go through that life review and you realize there's certain things that you should have done or should have said or behaved in a certain way and you come back and you redo it all again, you reset if you like, then that's that's why reincarnation happens because this is your opportunity now to now try and try and do better again and then you have another life review and if you've learned everything then you go on if not then it starts again yeah i actually think so it, it would make sense to me because they talk about reincarnation as being a wheel and a person has to be able to you keep going in a circle on and on and on until you get enough momentum or enough something where you can change your direction and so in the way that I look at it is I, I think that that could be if you have enough energy and enough light, if you've given enough love to enough people and, and helped enough people along the way, I think you might actually have enough energy to break free from that wheel and not have to come back unless you want to. That's going to keep me awake tonight. Okay. <laughs> so, so having been exposed to so many stories of NDEs then, do you see there's certain commonalities that happen in every case? Yes. Indulge us. Okay. Uh, first of all, even though each near-death experience is different and unique, there are certain elements that are common to a near-death experience. A person may have one of them or they may have all of them, but these are things that it's kind of like a common thread. First of all, a person will will rise above their body. They may or may not stick around on the earth plane and see things. They may or may not go through a tunnel or a vortex or something that, that delineates this world from the next. Then they will see the light, see beings, see something, you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, that kind of thing. And they may see deceased relatives. They may, uh, uh, and again, may or may not, they may see a guardian, they may see their relatives, they may see a deity. Then a lot of times uh, they may go on to see heavenly realms, or they may see something else. And But uh, whatever it is, it's usually unique to that person. Then they're usually told, hey, you've got to go back. Sometimes they automatically go back. Sometimes they make a choice, and then they come back into their bodies. There's so many questions I could ask you there. This vortex thing, is it something they traveled down or are they pulled through it? Do they have a choice? I've heard lots of cases in the past whereby they've almost got a choice, come with us or 
go back? Well, first of all, when they're going down the tunnel, are they saying that they're sort of being dragged through type of thing? Or do they get the choice when they have that conversation? Usually the tunnel is in the beginning. Yeah. It's it's rare to see a tunnel at the end. I, I can't recall seeing a tunnel at the end, but usually it's in the beginning. And I some people say that they are in a tunnel and they decide to go down. Other people say they're pulled. Other people, they say, well, it was so fast, I think it was a tunnel. Uh, it, it all changes, but they all have that commonality. And that tunnel has been described in many different ways as to color, as to whether it's moving, like spinning in a vortex. One time I thought was really fascinating was they said that the walls actually had doors and, and these doors represented different lifetimes. And I went, now, isn't that interesting? Uh, yeah, that's but that was the only time I've seen it. That is really interesting. I it takes me back to I was I was hypnotized once because I was trying to give up smoking and I I've given up now by the way long years ago but I was trying at this particular time to give up smoking and the hypnotist said to me I'm going to show you the power of hypnotism. And he hypnotized me and then said you're in a room and you need to picture the room. It's a big round room and there are doors everywhere you look. And I want you to just pick a random door. There's nothing written on them. There's there's nothing to differentiate one door from another. They all look the same. But I want you to pick one and go through it. And when you go through it, there will be a memory from your, well, from your life, basically. So I picked a door and I went through it. And I was back in school. And we were doing... I don't know whether they do it in America, but we were doing what's called a safe cycling lesson, whereby we had the local police officers to come down and were showing us how to ride our bikes, you know, safely on the streets and, and on the roads and, and all that sort of stuff. And I was probably about seven or eight years of age. But I could remember that playground that we were on. I could see the police officers. I could see the cars going past outside the school grounds, and, and they were cars of that era. I could remember the kid in front of me and the kid behind me, the teachers that were there, everything. It was as if I was right there. And the power of the mind, the, the, the images that are stored in the mind, I think are absolutely fantastic. So I wonder if there is this connection, like you said, to the, to the other side, and if when we get close to death, we get maybe that, that veil, if you like, is a bit thinner and maybe people can come through and, and put us at, at ease and say, look, you know, you're going to be coming with me in a couple of minutes and we're going to go to this lovely place. Whether we can go there as well. And my, my question really is, into the hypnotism side of it, have you had cases where people who've experienced an NDE have been that taken by what they've seen that they've maybe gone to some kind of hypnotic regression to try and reconnect with that element of it? Yeah, actually, we have seen that. Uh, one of the things about the near-death experience is it has to do with memory because obviously if you go over to the other side, you've got to remember it somewhere and and somehow you have to connect it to the brain and then the you've got to order it. You've got to order your thoughts and then you've got to be able to explain it to somebody else. And I think that my own personal opinion, and it, it may differ from many other people's, but I, I think that everybody who dies probably does have some kind of a near-death experience. But the problem is whether they can remember it. Like and a it's dream. Not actually, 
a near-death experience until they can remember it. And so in order to do that, we have had several people report their experience that they have remembered. Sometimes they have some kind of a brain trauma and they cannot remember until the swelling goes down and then they remember an experience. Sometimes they will go into a hypnotist and and then they'll do this past life regression and they go, oh my God, I had no idea. And and so they they are able to remember these experiences by, by going to a hypnotist that will help them. Have you ever known of a case where someone has come back from a death experience, let's say they've they've had cardiac arrest, they've been gone for X amount of time, and then they've come back but not remembered anything, and then gone to a hypnotist and then suddenly remembered. We've had a couple of people report that in experiences that they've sent. I'd say maybe maybe five. There, it's definitely outside of the bell curve. But then, if you think about it, a, a near death experience, if it's a spiritual experience, it may not be in your own personal best interest to remember. Because if you know when you're going to die, aren't you going to do everything you can not to do it? I I mean, some people wouldn't, but you know, a lot of people would see how they could get around some of the life issues that they might've seen in the future because they don't want it to happen with their conscious mind. But yet the spirit says, this is necessary for your growth. You determined you were going to do this. Well, I can say that I think a lot of people are actually more afraid of how they die, you know, more than the fact that we're going to die. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we see that. I think you'll just be glad of the peace and quiet, won't you, when you go? (laughs) (laughs) And I won't ever have to clean again. I mean, it'd be awesome, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my heaven, you're still there cleaning it, so be careful. (laughs) So do you think then that, the NDEs are there to serve a message for us? And if so, what is that message? I think that the standard answer is, is yes, it does. It, it shows us about love, peace, and compassion and hope. But I think the near-death experience has enough places where it can connect with our personal journey and our personal selves. It has enough to connect us to our better parts of ourselves And I think that building on that is what these messages tell us. So if a person wants to say, I want to overcome the fear of death, well, you build on that, that the near-death experience, that these people survive, and it doesn't matter if their body is gone or not. So you build on that type of a thing. Or a lot of the people that have been coming to me, for instance, the translators, They'll, they'll come, and, and several of them have been going through bad bouts of depression. And what I find very interesting is I talked to my friend from Sudan, and he said that when he first started translating, he was 80% depressed. But now, since he's been translating for about a year, he's only 20% depressed. And wow. this is without the aid of drugs or anything. And South Sudan is one of the the poorest places in the world. And yet this person is so dedicated to a better world and to having hope that there's something better out there. 
he's definitely connected and this is sort of like a lifeline for him i think that's amazing i and certainly the listener that got in touch with us regarding your website and speaking to you certainly is getting a lot of comfort after the losses that he's had to face recently so you know thank you for providing that service a place where people can go and look up these things you know i think that you're giving them comfort as well i think certainly if i was facing something like that i being the type of person that i am i would want to go looking you know i would want to go try and find some i'm just a i'm an inquisitive person i want to know what's coming and i'm a bit of a control freak so coming across your site would would definitely give me comfort as well so i want to say on behalf of me and the chap that you were just talking about there from Sudan and and the listener who contacted us, thank you for providing such a, a worthwhile resource. You mentioned Jeff's books and they are Evidence of God and Evidence of the Afterlife. Where can people get hold of those? Uh, generally by going to Amazon and you'll find the books in many different languages as well. The book has been translated, so they'd be able to find it. You said that you don't ask for donations or anything like that on this particular website. Do you have another website where people can donate if they want to? Yes, we do. We incorporated here so that we would have a nonprofit and be able to spread the word of the near-death experience more effectively by, you know, if you have more resources, you can do more things and and you can reach more people, have more conferences, talk to more people and and have more volunteers. So it's sort of a nice movement. But yes, we do. And that is enderf, N-D-E-R-F dot com, C-O-M. And that one is our nonprofit website that allows us to be able to do those things. So you've got a .com and a .org. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And just for your own edification, because I know that you were asking many questions about other different things other than the near-death experience, we have a couple of other websites. One of them is the After Death Communication Research Foundation, adcrf.org, and that one deals with people who have like loved ones or know somebody who has passed over to the other side and then they get a message from that person after they've passed oh hey That's we might have to uh, wow. <laughs> we, we definitely want to be speaking to you about that yeah, one we'll have yeah. to organize another interview <laughs> that's right up our street <laughs> yeah. right up your street i thought so well we've and, we've, we've got a, a really fascinating thing that happened to us which is why we started this whole project of doing the <laughs> podcast ourselves so yeah oh, we wow. could probably contribute to that with some startling evidence as well so we'll leave that little bit oh. out of there about the other ones and then we can do another show <laughs> okay yeah I've, I've actually had a couple of them too that one is an amazing website then we also have another website where people they fill out a questionnaire and then they, it comes back to us it started out as an out-of-body experience research foundation o-b-e-r-f.org but what happened is when people want to share their experiences, they have many more than just an out-of-body experience, and they want to share. And so we basically, that became like a catch-all, so that all the experiences that are not an after-death communication or a near-death experience, all of those experiences 
are put into that one website. And so we have everything from like spiritually transformative events where you have things that are very similar to a near-death experience, but you don't have to die. Yeah. We have like being encounters, you know, like your poltergeist, your ghost, your UFO, you have your your dreams, your precognition. We could probably get about 10 shows now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> different things. <laughs> There's so much out there. I mean, it's just phenomenal about all the different types of experiences that people have. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, we definitely would be interested in setting up another interview with you then to go through some of those other points if you wouldn't mind oh yeah that'd be fine that would be absolutely amazing we don't want to go off track of what we are talking about because it is a worthy and worthwhile cause that you have with the near-death experiences so absolutely absolutely and if we've got any listeners out there who want to support you then obviously we hope that they will do that and go to your com. Yeah. As well. And also, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, no, and also the books and everything else. Jody, we really want to thank you for being here today with us and sharing your stories and your experience and the information that you've gleaned from your amazing website. Thank you once again for giving people the hope and the comfort that I know that you're giving them. Long may it continue. Thank you so much. It's very nice meeting you too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. So guess what website I'm going on to now? Yeah, right? There is really, really some excellent research going on at the moment by some really top-class people. It's really important that we highlight things like that because I don't hear any of this sort of stuff in the mainstream media. I keep banging on about this, but it's people like us and, and our peers, people that do shows like this, that really let people know what's going on. So if you can show support in any way, that would be absolutely fantastic. And also, like Jody said, if you've got any ideas or, or anything that has happened to you or a loved one or something that you can add to aid their research, then that would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm certainly I'm going to go and look at some of the other websites that she mentioned as well. Yeah, well, we'll have her on again. As you heard, we will set something up so that she comes along again and tells us about her other research as well. So maybe if you get your research into her by then, you never know, she may even be telling us about your story. Thank you very much for listening again to our show. Don't forget, you can find out lots more information about our show and the guests that we have on simply by going to www.weirdwackywonderful.co.uk. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and all of those lovely places. You can follow us on Facebook now as well. We're starting to get some Facebook friends. We've just decided to start doing that over the last couple of months. So that is growing. So come along and, and join us there as well. But until next time, please do stay. Weird. 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 Stop it! (laughs) Weird, Weird, wacky, wacky and and wonderful. (laughs) Idiot.